Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joy Elkanen, Dennis Dick. It's an earnings day, folks. 197 companies reporting earnings today, according to the Benzinga data team. So we got, and that doesn't even include yesterday's reports from after the bell, like Tesla. So we got a lot to get to on our show. We'll try to cover as many earnings reports as we can. Our guest, Paul LaMonica, digital correspondent at CNN Business. He would join us here at, at 8.20. In the meantime, Joel, give us an update on what's happening here overnight. We're, we're going to stay on. We're going to do every earnings report. We're everyone. Stay, everyone. We're going to stay on the entire day. You're not going to do anything else. So put your other stuff aside. Uh, S&P futures trading up six and a quarter handles. Strong close yesterday. Nice follow through on the upside. One number Monday's high 14 and a quarter. Uh, that is the gateway to all time highs here. And I believe that's at uh, 30, 32 and a quarter. Crude in the red by just two cents at 55.95. Gold and silver going the same way. Uh, silver in the red by two and a half cents at 17.555. Gold in the red by two dollars at 14.9370. And uh, Bitcoin loses $8,000, down $80 at $7,445. Uh, let's bring in Triple D. How you doing today? What's going on? Talk to me. Uh, let's see here. Um, are you having a bad month trading so far? Mm, the trading has been tough. And a lot of it is, you know, what we were talking about, a lot of randomness in the market where you're seeing Stocks get bought on bad reports like Caterpillar. Stocks get sold on good reports like Chipotle yesterday. Um, and then, you know, you have some normal stuff that just Tesla just blows it away and stocks at 46 bucks. So, I mean, from a trading perspective, I'm about average the last couple of months. From an investing standpoint, I feel like my investing has just been terrible. I've well, the reason I very, said very bad stocks in my investment portfolio okay so the reason i said that is in the pre pre-market show you had your uh, traders for a cause t-shirt on okay and now you are got the exact same shirt as me well, on what's going on with this well you know what the, no and it's a colored shirt here i got all nice for you guys because i wore the traders for a cause t-shirt here again trying to you know promote traders for a cause but you guys uh, guys uh told me i wore it two days ago <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I don't keep track of my shirts as much as you do guys do, apparently. So I got all self-conscious and I went change free. I didn't even want to put on a nice collared shirt. It's not very often I don't wear a t-shirt for trading. So uh, so I'm all dressed up. It's dress up Thursday, I guess. <laughs> okay. Is, is that blue and white, though? Blue and white uh, checkers there? It's, it's green. It's got a little bit. I'm half colorblind, I guess. I think it's <laughs> okay. green and white, though. So All right. Um it looked uh it looked blue to me but where do you want to start maybe you're colorblind yeah i am let's I start am. with tesla i mean yeah. everybody wants to hate on this stock and my whole twitter feed has been littered with tesla q coming into the quarter and they're wrong they've been wrong jason rasnick congratulations he's been on our show probably half a dozen times every time he comes on 
he talks about buying Tesla and, you know, and, and that's being his stock. And we know he, he's been out since $30. We know he's still in it. He was talking about buying more. I'm not sure if he did or not when it was down in the low 200s. But in any regard here, Jason Rasnick has been right. All these Tesla Q people have been wrong. Um, I mean, I, I, li- I love it. I love it because I believe in Elon Musk. I know, yes, he doesn't do things the right way. And yes, he's a little bit outspoken. And yes, he says the wrong thing. But the person is an innovator. And I love the fact that finally, you know, being rewarded to a certain extent here, Tesla trading up 45 points. Give us the details, Mr. Israel. Yeah, profitability. If if you have to sum it down in one word, it is profitability. They earned a buck 86 per share last quarter. They're expected to lose 42 cents a share. So Elon slow played the market on this one. Uh, Really did. Huge, huge EPS beat uh, in the quarter. And then it just got better on the conference call. Uh, their Shanghai Gigafactories ahead of schedule. The Model Ys ahead of schedule. Uh, they're going to be get profitable going forward, he said. I, there was nothing not to like in that. I mean, okay. If you're a bear and your whole argument has been, you know, we've had some people come on this show calling it a zero. You know, we've had some very well-respected people calling the stock a zero. But if your whole argument is that they're burning cash and they're not going to be able to survive because they're burning the cash too. What is your argument if this stock starts actually producing positive cash flow? What is the argument for zero or what is the argument? I mean, I'm probably going to start reading about people. I know it's already kind of been through my stream a little bit that they're saying, you know, that the way they've done these earnings this quarter, um, you know, it's maybe, you know, almost like it's suggesting that they're cooking the books to a certain extent. I don't think so. I don't think, you know, that's going to happen in a company like Tesla. Um, but anyways, regardless, I mean, the stock, what is your argument? If they do continue to produce positive cash flow going forward, what's the bare argument here? That they have debt come? I don't know. Uh, but all companies have debt to a certain extent. If yeah. they start producing positive cash flow, they can start cutting into that too. I mean, this was a hell of a quarter. And, you know, maybe going forward, maybe he's too optimistic. Maybe we're going to have, you know, the next quarter is going to be, you know, because we've seen this before where they had a really good quarter and then the next quarter was this disaster. We saw this back last year, I believe. Did we not when they had the positive quarter? Remember this, Spencer, and the stock pop huge? That's when we ran up to like the 350 area. Was it last quarter or was it a few? No, no, last year. I think it was 2018. Okay, right, yeah. They yes. made money. They were cash. They, they made money yeah. the one quarter. I, I want to say it was actually the same quarter last year. Could have been. In any regard, impressive quarter here. Bears, um, if I was short this thing, and, you know, and props to Tim Seymour. We've had Tim Seymour on the show a lot. If you're listening, Tim, I mean, you know, I don't know if he's listening in the morning this early, but, I mean, we've had him on the show quite a few times. You know, he, he's, he calls it out. He's like, last night, he's like, he's saying on the show, and he's on Fast Money Live while this stock is ripping. And he says, I'm short, you know. And, you know, props to him for actually coming on and saying that, first of all. And secondly, you know, props for him to being able to hold it together on fast money. As you're seeing the stock go way up on you, I mean, I know how you feel because I do this pre-market show lots of times. And sometimes news breaks between eight and nine. It's like, oh my goodness, I have that stock. And you're trying to hold it together to do a live show where they've got a stock giving you the beats. So Tim, props to you for holding together very well last night. I mean, but you know, there's, there's, he's been a bear for a while. So I'm, you know, curious, you know, I'd love to have Tim Seymour back on the show just to talk, um, you know, about what his thoughts are going forward here as well. You know, there's an argument both ways. I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, maybe they're not going to continue to be cash flow positive going forward. But I mean, this quarter, if I was short, I'd be really concerned. 
did you when you said Tesla Q uh, in your is there, that that's a reference to Tesla's debt load? Tesla. Oh, uh, really? That's uh. It's yeah. all yeah. That's been the Twitter fun little yeah. ticker that they put for all the bears, but Tesla Q on the end referencing oh, really? that wow, you are this a- stock is eventually you know the debt load's going to bring them down. I mean, we know there's a ton of debt there, but a lot of companies have a ton of debt. I mean, you can look at your traditional automotive companies, they have a ton of debt as well. They start producing positive cash flow. It's a different story, though. So, again, I'm just going to say, you know, the bulls, the bulls are victorious, at least for one day here. Uh, interesting price action here. Uh, you had that initial surge up to 328. Now, uh, I think, I kind of feel like the high is already in in this one. Going to three twenty eight like that, I could. Be it went wrong. to three twenty eight. No. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Three three oh six, three oh seven. I had this. I actually traded this a few times last night. No, wait, scalps. Yeah. What did you do? Did you try? And- I scalped ten points off this last night from two because it got up. It went up to two ninety five and it peeled back to two eighty nine. And then Gene was on and Gene was talking positively on fast money. I was like, you know what? This positive comments from Gene here are going to help it out too. And I just kind of had a feeling it was going to go to three hundred. So I bought it from 289, maybe not quite. I bought 289 and change, and then I sold some at 296, and I think I sold the rest at 298. So I got seven, eight points off of it. Um, so with, uh, pretty quickly. I mean, that was just you after three months. You had to lift your offer to get in on that, right? What's that? You had to lift an offer? Oh, no. You just throw it when, when the thing's trading so wild like this, you can put bids. You can lift offers. I mean, it's just liquid. If you're within a dollar, the things is, after the earnings last night, Joel, it's trading so sporadically, like up and down, up and down, up and down, buyer, sellers, buyer, sellers. You can get done on bids, no problem on that. You know, there's no, it's not like there's high-frequency market makers stepping in front of you in Tesla on an earnings report. They're not. They're not even like, you know, there's algorithms. There's so much other stuff going on. No IHFT stepping in front of you for a penny on Tesla. I'll tell you that much. No, not the, certainly not the risk. Too we much want. risk. Uh, I was just looking. I mean, before the show started, I said, wow, we really have been consolidating really over the last hour. And that consolidation was between 300 and 303. And now it's kind of given out the bottom a little bit. So I'd use that 303 as resistance now. Uh, pre-market high always is a good uh, a good target. That came in at uh, 308.52. But, man, this is a kind of move. Like, if you're short. Now, I hope Tim just has some puts on because that would be – you know, that would be a short and, you know, you could recover because it would just be the pre. There's a lot of people flat out short Tesla. Yeah. What's the short interest, Spencer? So we don't have to talk about Tim. If I had a guess, ballpark, I would say 30s. Let's take a look, though. It's oh, big. I don't think it's that uh, high. All right, 27%. It's huge, 27%. Yeah. There's some people puking here today. Yeah. And especially when the cash flow arguments, I mean, you're expecting to lose money again and talk about the cash burn. Maybe they're going to lose more and they come out and, just you know make a make a serious amount of money really you know this is scary if you're short yeah i mean all the options trade i did not take a look at the options chain but man if you came in i wonder what the yeah what what was the i wonder what the expected move was i don't know the chat will be all over that i actually didn't look it up either i can quickly go grab it from the closing option prices yesterday but if the chat's got it, it'll take me a second to just go grab my options chain and look. I wonder what, like, the two... And, and if you've never done this, you just add up the calls and the puts. That's the same strike, and that'll give yep. it to you. I mean, so October, so we can just look at the 25. So it was going, uh, oh, almost 20 bucks, $19. So about $19. So you're making some money, 45 It was expected to move 19 
So you're almost two and a half times expected move. So it's a huge move. So what about the, buyers making money here? What about the uh, 280 calls? I'm just curious. What were they going for? Let's go check it out. 280 calls on the weeklies. We're going for a buck. They're offered $1.74 at the close. Wow. So Ooh. you're looking at, you know, if you bought that 20 points, you're looking at a 10 bagger fit almost 12. Yeah. How, I mean, that would be hard not to take, especially if you were, you gave up that kind of premium. Yeah. That, I mean, you can come in a little bit, but you know what? You're going to have short spooked here. I don't think this is coming right in. I don't think this is going to be, you know, like a biogen that's going to give it back half the gains. This is legit. There's going to be some people short who are very concerned that this was a pretty solid quarter and maybe this cash burn argument is starting to not hold water. And I think you got uh, believers, people jumping back into the story here too. This thing gets down to 280, 290 is buyers all over the place, I think, down there now. So I think path least resistance on this is actually higher. So I'm, I'm, I, I'd be writing more puts if I uh, – if it. Oh, out. those puts you wrote, they're probably – what? Yeah, you know what? And the crappy thing is, I covered them, so I shouldn't. I, I took a nice gain on them, and I think Jeremy's back in. I think Jeremy Newsom. Got yeah, he, I think he did a. I think he did get back in some. I know the guts to hold through it. I covered them. I covered them a little while ago when the stock popped up to the two fifty area. Um, I'd written them, and they were there was good gain. But now, yeah, if I still had them, still, I mean, I'd be rocking and rolling. And you know what? I sh I should have held on to them. But everybody spooks it. Gordon Johnson came on this show. You know, and Gordon Johnson's talking, he comes out with his own company and really bearish. And, and I respect Gordon Johnson's opinion very much. I mean, Gordon Johnson is a person who's very opinionated, very strongly opinionated. And I think I actually covered those, but shortly after that Gordon Johnson interview, he spooked me. Um, and obviously that wasn't the case, but, you know, you can get spooked. I mean, All right, we got, uh, sometimes we got it's good not to listen to the media. <laughs> we got uh, Paul Monica coming up in six minutes. Yeah. So and we've done one. Let's of do Twitter. We always do this. We always oh, do this. It's a pretty big <laughs> stock to talk about. Let's do Twitter. Joel, you still got your Twitter? Yeah, and I'm kicking myself here. I know. I do this all the time, Joel, so don't worry about it. When you got 100 stocks in your investment portfolio, you're kicking yourself every day for something. Yeah, and uh, it just hung out at 40 too long. You know, and I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And uh, I'm not going to be buying more or anything, but I don't know. It just seems like. 40 was, uh, you know, on the IPO day, I think it opened up at 44, went to 40. 40 is just like a number I can't get out of my head. And I don't know, that just might be all the stock is worth. I know it's gone to 46, 47. It's been down at 13, 14. But uh, I don't know if and when it ever gets back to 40. I think uh, I think I might have to I have to take it out. I own it much lower, but man, oh man, wish I would have traded in some of the Twitter for Tesla. I think though, man, you you put a bottom in here, and I don't know if that's going to be the low of the day. What, what is the well? First, let's get the numbers from Spencer. Oh, and then, man, and they were not good. Uh, EPS seventeen cents versus twenty cents revenue eight twenty three million versus eight seventy four million. Monetizable daily active users one forty five million. That's a gain of six million last quarter. Not a great growth rate. They guided lower. Uh, guided. Their uh, Q4 revenue between 940 and $1.01 billion. The estimate was at 1.06. So light on most of the headline numbers, all the headline numbers. It's a stock that still has been loved. and But you know what? That's really this, 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 this type of market. And we saw it yesterday. We saw a rotation happening again where they were hitting the high PE stocks. And we saw this the day before too. I mean, this is a high PE stock, so it was getting hit just along with the high PE. Like, we've, we've been seeing this trade from growth to value for the last, you know, two months. 
and I know it because of my long-term portfolio, I'm full of, you know, I'm full of value stocks. And like I said, I almost had a new all-time high in my long-term investment portfolio simply because I'm value oriented. So a lot of my value stocks have been doing nothing. I've started to show some life in the last little while. Um, so, you know, it, this is the market that the rotation that we've been seeing for the last couple of months, it, it, it typically this only lasts a couple of weeks, but it's lasting a lot longer. So you start to wonder if this is something, you know, that is more serious here, where maybe investors are going to start becoming more concerned about the bottom line. Maybe investors are going to be start not so much focused on the top line, but this is bad all around because the top line growth isn't there. The bottom line is not great. And the thing's got a, a nosebleed multiple if you start looking at it from a valuation perspective. And that's a scary thing here. So I, I, as a value investor, I can't touch it. As a growth guy, I'm spooked now because those numbers aren't growing. So that's why stock's down 17%. And that's why I can't bring myself to buy the dip on it today. Uh, well, it, just looking at the pre-market chart here, you did put that low in at 30.83. Uh, a couple other lows, 31.10, 30.82, 30.85. So under 31, looks like someone may just be bringing in a huge short here. But uh, if it gets back down to that area, I think it's a, uh, a low risk uh, Shot it along on the monthlies here. You haven't been down in this area in quite some time, but just looks like, you know, down this much, uh, you're going to start to find some buyers. And you know what this makes me, what stock this makes me really bearish. And I started to get a bearish. What? It's on it yesterday. What? Facebook. Why? Well, because I just think that a lot of it's the ad web revenue, right? Yeah, and I think it's drying up. And did you did you see uh, Zuck uh, during that testimony yesterday at all? I watched his highlights of it. I didn't have it on. Though, he so. looked like he was gonna throw up all over the desk. I it's nerve wracking though. They're asking uh, him pretty tough questions on the Libra. Would you put your kids, you know, or all your kids' money into? You know, I mean, I just think they're doing all these other things like the Libra. They're just like, they know that the ad revenue is going to be gone. But that's what good companies do though, Joel. And this is a good argument. You know, this is a good, you know, little argument to have here a minute before Paul comes on. But I mean, this is what good companies do. They start to diversify themselves. I mean, Google, you know, is a poster child for this. You know, they were a search engine. Cash flow is a search engine, but they're doing all kinds of other things now. You know, they've, they went off into other businesses. I, Amazon's obviously the same thing. They keep going off into other businesses because they can. They do things well. I mean, Facebook has to do that because, yeah, if they just stay stagnant, um, you know, the revenue from Facebook ads is not going to continue to grow. Everybody's on it already. I mean, and th other things happen. They got to keep reinventing themselves and keep doing other things. So I love the fact they're, you know, now looking at crypto. They're looking at different ways of doing things. You know, you know, obviously they've got some other businesses as well. We've talked about, you know, the, the, the match, you know, the competition with match group. I mean, that's what they need to do to continue to grow. They need to find other revenue streams because you can't just stay, you know, on your main revenue source or you become a dinosaur. I don't know. This whole Libra thing, I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, the stock, look at the chart here. I tell you, I would love just to get it like a huge pop off, uh, you know, earnings, you know, get it popped up. When do the they report? Uh, the 30th. I just looked it up. Common, common. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just I mean, like. Facebook's going to be down today with Twitter. It's going to bring down a snap as well because social media stocks go down. Snap's only down a little bit. I guess maybe not snap because it already reported, but it's not helpful to any social media stocks when you get the big gun like Twitter uh, getting d d disappointed. We got to go grab Paul. Can we grab him on the fly? No, uh, I, I, don't okay. wanna I don't want to grab him on the fly. So let's take a quick okay. break. We'll grab Paul and Monica. We'll be right back in a moment with Paul. 
All right, welcome back, everyone. Pre-market prep, Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor, and Dennis Dick. Joined now by our guest today, Paul Monica, digital correspondent at CNN Business. Paul, uh, good morning. We were just talking about Facebook here. I want to get your reaction to that uh, testimony yesterday. What did you think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was uh, somewhat reminiscent. We were joking in the newsroom of the marathon uh, sessions that uh, CEOs uh, faced in, uh, you know, 2009, bank CEOs in the wake of the uh, financial crisis, although this was just one person, uh, you know, obviously Zuckerberg uh, fielding it all. I think that he did, you know, maybe, you know, about as well as could possibly be expected under given the circumstances. I mean, he's, you know, pretty well acknowledged that he's not the most engaging of uh, public speakers. He does sometimes lapse into a little bit of techno babble, uh, you, know, uh, you know, gets a little nerdy for his own good. But I think that's probably what uh, people in Silicon Valley love about him. And, um, you know, if you use Wall Street as a barometer, the stock was up 2% yesterday. So uh, I don't think investors were overly worried about the congressional testimony and concerns about, you know, regulatory crackdowns. But obviously, Facebook has a lot of challenges and, the, you know, the, uh, they're going to be under even more intense scrutiny next year because of the presidential election. Uh, Paul, real quick question here. I mean, well, first of all, Spencer, and I've heard this argument here in the YouTube chat as well, is that the young kids aren't on it. The young kids are not participating and that, you know, that could be you know, if the young kids aren't doing it because their parents aren't doing it. I mean, how, how old are the young buzzes? Are they what? They're like they're single digits, right? They are still single digits. Uh, so uh, the uh, the older one, uh, you know, is on Messenger. Uh, but the younger one obviously is not, uh, you know, doing that much yet. But I think here's the thing that a lot of people uh kind of uh, mistake, make the mistake with regards to Facebook and this obsession with uh, youth. Uh, speaking as a 46-year-old man who doesn't think he has one foot in the grave just yet, you know, A, Gen Xers obviously have a decent amount of disposable income that we're willing to spend, and, uh, you know, we are in our limited amount of free time on social media as well. And everyone looks so much at Facebook and how it may not be the cool place to be anymore from a social media standpoint, but everyone then quickly forgets that Facebook also owns Instagram, which you usually does get more positive uh, you know, reactions from a younger demographic and a lot of buzz. It also owns WhatsApp. I mean, just look at Snapchat and, you know, their most recent results. I mean, they're still struggling to uh, try and, uh, you know, actually generate consistent profitability despite some of their user growth uh, uh, momentum lately. Uh, you know, Instagram is a juggernaut just like Facebook. And, again, I don't think, I don't think Facebook's going to get broken up the way Elizabeth Warren and some other Democrats may be suggesting. But if Facebook were or you could argue that maybe the sum of the parts are greater than the whole right now because there could be this discount attached to the stock because of some of the political concerns and worries about slowing growth in the core Facebook platform. One thing I'll never understand about Facebook, Paul, uh, I've, I can never remember clicking on a Facebook ad in my life. Have you ever done that? I have not, but obviously some ad? people must have done so, and uh, the they are generating a decent amount of re ad revenue. That is, you know, at the end of the day, Facebook is your digital newspaper for the 21st century. They obviously are 
getting a lot of money from ad revenue. I think as long as there is some engagement, even if you and I aren't the ones that are clicking with those ads, that's going to continue to be the case for Facebook for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I mean, if, if people stop clicking on the ads, they're going to have to find other ways to monetize. I, I should say never intentionally click on an ad, but I, I, I can't. There you go. Where are you people? Who are you people clicking on the Facebook ads and where are you? But in, in any case, uh, we've also discussed uh, Tesla here, Twitter. Seems like there's been a lot of weird uh, earnings re reactions to earnings uh, this season. Well, Twitter, Twitter and Tesla today are fairly predictable. Tesla was a great report. Twitter was not. But at a high level, what have you observed uh, with regards to the reactions to earnings reports in the past week or so? Yeah, I mean, I think by and large, the earnings have been, for the most part, you know, at a high level, fairly positive, a little bit better than expected. There are concerns, of course, about the guidance and what the trade war is doing to companies that have ex both exposure to the Chinese market, which is slowing down. Uh, but then also, um, you know, companies that are exporting goods from China that are getting hit with uh, tariffs. You know, you look at a company, I, I wrote yesterday a short post about uh, iRobot, the maker of the Roomba vacuum, and how because they make most of their products in China, they have been hit hard by tariffs. And they're starting to look at moving more to Malaysia to try and get away from some of these uh, overly protectionist uh, policies. So I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But I think investors were bracing for the worst and we're maybe not getting the worst case scenarios with regards to earnings at a high level. But of course, you know, individual companies, I mean, you know, Twitter, uh, you know, pretty, pretty bad report this morning and the stock is plunging accordingly. And Tesla, the flip side, they had, you know, actual earnings, which uh, was a big surprise to many. And that's why that stock's up, um, you know, again, very dramatically up, you know, about 20% or so in pre-market trading. Do you put more like what do you put stock in when you're looking at uh, a, a earnings report and the initial reaction? Like what's important to you? Are you are you watching the reaction more than the numbers, and the numbers more than the reaction? I mean, I think you really have to watch uh, a combination of both because on the one hand. The reaction is the real-time verdict for what people think of the results, and sometimes more importantly than the actual results, the outlook. Because uh, you know, when companies uh, do a good job, and analysts do a good job of figuring out what the uh, the estimates are going to be, and they come in pretty close to that target, then you know the story isn't really about what happened in the past three months, what's going to happen in the next three months, and the year out. But I think that sometimes people get too caught up with the, you know, pre-market or after-hours uh, uh, reactions to uh, companies reporting earnings because you do have to let cooler heads prevail and see what happens during uh, corporate earnings conference calls as well. And sometimes you get, um, you know, a better sense of where things are headed when you actually hear the executives speak instead of just reading their uh, you know, kind of canned statements in uh, the press releases. So you have to look at a, you know, much longer time period than just, you know, judging a company's failure or success based on, uh, you know, pre-market trading an hour before the market opens. Uh, Paul, I don't want to let you go without getting your thoughts on the streaming wars. I guess you could say they're starting now uh, with... I think uh, they've started, yeah. They're started, but they're really going to kick into another <laughs> gear now with Apple TV and Disney Plus launching, uh, Peacock launching as well. Who will, mm -hmm. be the, who will be the end winner uh, of this? Uh, I think it's impossible to say right now who's ultimately going to be uh, the winner. I think there will be 
multiple winners in the same sense that obviously we have a bunch of cable networks, TV networks that are considered, uh, you know, still, you know, uh, great places, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, content, uh, you know, even in uh, this day and age where people aren't watching linear TV as much. I, I do think that Netflix, some of the concerns are maybe a bit overdone because they have such a vast library of content, um, you know, their own content as well as some of the licensing deals that they've done, even though they are losing a lot or pretty much all of the Disney programming to Disney+. Plus. I think Disney+, Plus is in a very good position. I wonder whether or not Apple has enough content, even though a lot of it's very buzzy uh, from the get-go to uh, attract users. But, of course, Apple has uh, the advantage of many people with iPhones will just be able to get that content pretty easily on their uh, devices. Uh, you know, I think it remains to be seen about HBO Go and Peacock and some of the other ones that are coming out. HBO Go, obviously, a lot of hype and uh, promise here in our building because it's owned by AT&T, uh, parent, uh, you know, uh, uh, corporate cousin of CNN. Uh, so I think we are going to uh, just have to wait and see whether or not the joke that a lot of people have, which is everyone's cutting the cord cable-wise, but they're replacing it with multiple monthly subscriptions for streaming services. So if only some genius had the idea to bundle them all together and call it, you know, maybe not cable, but something else, then maybe we'd have an actual business model here. Uh, Paul Monica, as I mentioned, is a digital correspondent at CNN Business. Great follow on Twitter at Monica Buzz. Paul, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Uh, 8.30 here, Joel. Uh, uh, how we, we bumped doing up, We bumped up against Monday's high here. We've been really quiet lately here in the ranges, but uh, just keeping an eye on 14 and a quarter. That's Monday's high. Uh, after that, things open up to 25.75. We've just had a real stubborn market here. We have been real quiet. I mean, you've had the movement um, in the individual stocks, but uh, – just consolidating up near all-time highs here. In fact, let me just go to uh, point. We have been since well for this week so far. We've had a uh, ninety, whew, not very far. We've had uh, ninety-two. We've had a thirty-two point range for the whole week. That's very very unusual. Consolidating up near the highs here. So the trend is your friend here. Let's see if we can make new all-time highs, but. Quiet week so far here for October. All right, let's uh, let's get serious here about some earnings reports. Uh, someone's asking about F five. Did NOW report? Yes. Let, let's talk NOW because that's yeah. an interesting chart. Yeah, yeah NOW was uh, after the close yesterday. The EPS beat a buck in a dollar three cents versus eighty eight cents. Sales also beat eight hundred and ninety nine versus eight hundred eighty four million dollars. So this is on the heels of their CEO going to Nike. What what movement in the last 48 hours in the stock? So CEO leaves. The stock goes from $230 in the after hours yeah. uh, two nights ago down to 188 bucks, And now it comes all the way back, full circle back to 235 So everybody who got down with that, Nike CEO, that's now gone. It's back up. I'd be spooked. I'd be probably, after watching it fall 50 bucks almost on that and getting it all back in one day, I'd probably sell into this, but I mean, this market is funny. It's hard to predict. It's been holding up fairly well in the after hours session. So maybe it can continue to go higher, but that candle just, uh, you know, or that it doesn't even show up on the candle because it wasn't that low um, yesterday. Yeah. It only got down to 213, but it did hit 188 after hours last night. And that would have spooked me. So I have no position in it, but 
I'd probably lighten up into this rally if I wow. if I was in it. I, I was thinking about that, boy. They're really hitting it hard off this. Uh, this they really. It was, yeah. it, was, it was ridiculous, really, to knock it down 50 points for that. But uh, but we are just hanging out. Uh, let's see. Uh, 238 is your pre-market high. It made that not too long ago. I think for me, like for, for me, and there's three upgrades too, I think someone uh, someone mentioned. So like if this moves for real here and this thing's going back, let's say 260, 270, 280, what you're going to do is you're going to clear 238 off the hop and then your two-day high is up at 42.45. So I think you clear that area, you really got a chance to go. A lot of people stuck though. You know, and uh, unless you were a buyer yesterday, you're underwater in this thing. So let's take out the pre-market high, get above 240, take out that two-day high at 42.45. I think there's a little bit more running here, but gosh, a lot of people have to be stuck in this thing. So it's just not going to be as easy as the run-up. I mean, we've come down so far so quickly, though, so you could go up too. I feel like it's almost in the middle of nowhere here. Like I, I don't know the guts coming here and short it. I don't have the guts to buy it either, so it's a no trade for me. I don't know. I didn't see any upgrades on this, so I'm not sure. Really? I, there's, no, there's I'm just saying I don't see any, so unless they're getting a, maybe there's some price target moves, but I didn't see any. I think it was, there's a, there's yeah, it's uh, Raymond James this morning is maintaining the strong okay. buy. Price target was uh, actually lowered by to $100. In any regard, this is moving the cloud stocks here to the other one. So it was moving them down yesterday. It's moving them up here today. We see CRM trading. Same stocks were trading down yesterday. Are now trading up Twilio, Workday, CRM, Okta, Splunk. You can go through them all. They're all up 1% to 2%. And this is all obviously because of ServiceNow. Yeah. Woo. Wow. Way off. Like, that spike. That was crazy. I mean, is you doing that? Or is a human doing that? No, I think it's a lot of algorithms too. I think it's humans involved, but I like I think it's a mix. But I think it's a lot of algorithms, and there's just not the liquidity after hours. And they start hitting the sell button, and they just get so excited, and they're hitting it so hard. We've talked about this news algorithm trading the headlines and how wrong it's been. You know, on iRobot, dead wrong. I mean, they bought the algo bought that up six bucks on that initial headline. And you looked at it, you know, and it was down 10 bucks, you know, it's from where, you know, an, an hour later, the last 15 points where that algo bought it up to. I mean, maybe they're getting it right sometimes, but there's some of these news algorithms, the headline algorithms that are absolutely getting it wrong. What about the cron, the cron buyer, the other? Well, I don't know what that was all about. That was all just ridiculousness. And that wasn't algorithm. That was just somebody needing to buy. Maybe it was some, I, I can't see it being a buy-in because it wasn't, you know, hard to borrow. So I don't know what that was about. That was a crazy move when it got bought up. And you can see it on the candle. You see the candle up to $10.56. But it got to $12 after hours that night on no news. And then it came all the way back and gave it all back basically that day. So I have no idea. I mean, now you look at the crowd and you think, okay, well, you know, it's starting to form a little bit of support. Maybe there's a little bit of life here. I mean, some of these pot stocks at least stopped going down. So again, just like I, you know, I, I set up a trade for you yesterday in SDC. I said, hey, look. You know, if you wanted to go long, I said I wasn't doing it. You have a stop out. It was 873. I said, if you can pick this up in the lower nines, you know, you got to move it. SDC had a move yesterday. I would say the same thing about the pot stocks here today. I mean, on a lot of these, you do have, you know, they've stopped going down. Canopy growth is starting to show some life. Afria has had a pretty good candle there yesterday. If you look at the ETF MJ, looking like, okay, a little cup and handle even on the MJ here. So you know what? 
you know, instead of trying to be a hero and call them on the way down, they've stopped going down now. So now you can use those old lows as stopouts if you're going to put on a long position in any of the pot stocks. I'm not sure I'm going to do that or not, but I can see the argument to do it. Always with an out. Okay, Spencer. You got have an out. I'm hitting two earnings at the same time here. PayPal and eBay. PayPal is up, eBay down. The difference is their guidance. So eBay uh, beat on their earnings. PayPal's uh, earnings were okay, but eBay's guidance was light. PayPal's guidance was strong. That's the difference. You know, eBay is like an Oracle, I feel like. And, and, And obviously the company's nothing to do with each other, but every time Oracle reports, I feel like it disappoints. The stock goes down, and then you look at it three months later and it comes back. I feel like eBay is the same story. I know it's had some good reports in there. Maybe the last report it did actually go up on. But a lot of times it seems like eBay disappoints. Stock goes down. And then eventually just comes back. I mean, you also have the wild card. Isn't the StubHub, um, isn't that coming here, Spencer? You can help me out with that, with eBay. Do we have that? Mm-hmm. You know? Let me know. It doesn't ring, doesn't ring a bell from the last 24 hours. Hold on. No, no, not in the last 24 hours. I'm yeah. just saying that they've been yeah. talking about spinning oh, off. Oh, 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 oh yeah, they've, they've been trying to. Sure, I don't yeah, think they're they talking about. So that's a wild card here. When you're buying it down 8%, I mean... The wild card is this StubHub spinoff might come off eventually, and that could give the stock some life again. So I don't mind buying the dip is what I'm getting to on eBay here. I'm, I can't bring myself to buy the Twitter buy, buy the dip, but you know what? The eBay, I'm interested in. And there's some value here. I mean, it's got a dividend, doesn't trade with a ridiculous multiple. And you got the wild card of the StubHub, um, you know, eventually spinning off. We don't know. We don't have a date on that yet, but we know they've been talking about selling off or spinning off StubHub. And that could be a catalyst to make a comeback. So you know what? On a dip buying, you know, maybe you don't buy it the first day. Maybe let the dust settle. But you know, once it stops going down, starts to show some life, I don't mind buying the dip on eBay. Do you know there's a lot of competition brewing for StubHub out there? There's a lot. What there's Vivid Seeds now. The universities. Oh yeah. yeah I, I, I use SeedGeek. I love SeedGeek. Yeah, Geek. yeah. There's I, too much. I I I don't like this eBay. I don't. I, I mean, it looks even like, at the look at all the support at thirty. I'm looking at thirty-five and a half. You know, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lots of support down there. You're not far from there right now. I don't mind it here. So we're on opposite opinions here. I mean, you look like you might win me on the McDonald's. You're you're while well, you're four points ahead of me on that one. But really? Oh yeah. I might. Yeah, I really sold that in the hole too, man. You got so lucky in that one. I, McDonald's? Yeah, after a seven-point drop, I made that move. But whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens here. I got lucky. It's down four from where we made the bet. <laughs> You're getting lucky. Anyways, eBay down 30. It's down 7%. I'm, I'd be a dip buyer. Someone, I, might be, I might even buy it, but I'm probably not going to. But if I, if I was looking at it, I don't mind the buy. I can see the argument for buying this in the low You buy a half a position. Will you let me know? When I buy half a position, I am always going bad. to 30. If you buy half a position, always I'm buying, bad. I'm, buying I'm not really convicted. Yeah. 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 And if you did a quarter position, fade me when I buy half a position. Okay. Really fade me if I buy a quarter of a position. <laughs> what about uh, PayPal here, guys? Uh, it's incredible. It's a big quarter. I mean, it's big numbers here. The guide was really good here. It's a nice pop back. I mean, the stock was falling out of favor, and now all of a sudden, you know, it comes back. That being said, you're going to run an overhead supply. 105 looks huge. Yeah, it does. Look at those double top 104.32, and now you're seeing people line up. I want to see what it does at 105. Can it get through there, or does it start to leak? Uh, because I, I, I think you're going to open up resistance. I cannot bring myself to buy this at 105. Uh, I'm still banned from PayPal, so I can't. <laughs> I don't know what I did. Uh, but yeah, 
let's see. You made the hot boy. It's amazing the way you have these kind of movements. You go to 106, like you have that big move up, and then you have the price discovery, you know, and you have you have your support at 103.21. So if I was if I was trying to play this from the long side, which I'm not, if it if it breached 103, uh, I'd be out uh, that 105 area, eyeballing it here, going all the way back to mid September. Uh, boom, boom. Let's see here. Uh, 105 and a half. I'd call 105 and a half, 107. If I had a big long in here, that'd be a targeting uh, sell zone here for PayPal. What about Microsoft? We haven't. I was going to say, no gonna love say. to Mr. Softy whatsoever. Is that not weird. insane? Two thirds of the show, and we missed the most valuable. Forty minutes into the show, we haven't talked about Microsoft. I mean, it's not that exciting though, because it's not up twenty percent or down twenty percent, which obviously it wouldn't be. It's Microsoft, but it did sell off. And by the dippers, I mean it just seems like every time this stock sells off, it's an opportunity. The stock was down two over two dollars last time on this earnings report, and again, it was an opportunity to buy. Uh, Mr. Softy comes right back and is now trading the greens. So can't keep a good stock down. Stock's been unbelievable. They beat on the EPS, they beat on the sales, and they gave some uh, guidance on the conference call with regards to their different units, and they were good. So what can you Why say? Why did they smack it? And they did, Joel. Where did they smack this down? 134 handle, did they I know. not? And look at, that. look at the couple spiked lows that you had in the uh, – Right on the number. Yeah. That yep. news algo's wrong again. Yep. Could have been, just, who's could running been, this news algo? It's uh, wrong all the time. Could have been the case of a gap or adjusted figure that was off. I, I only saw the one. It was down for a while, though. Like It wasn't like it came right back to the green. The stock actually traded in the red for quite a while. But the 134 was really quick. If you were getting down there, what was the low, Joel? Uh, what, uh, the low in the pre-market trading was 134. Even. Even steep. Down three bucks. You got Microsoft down three bucks. That was a gift. I mean, a stock pulls back three bucks. It's a buy. The beta seems so low. It just does not go down. Even when the market was tanking, the stock just cannot go down. I still believe eventually Microsoft makes new all-time highs. Um, you know, it's a company that's reinvented themselves again. It goes to show you got to do that. I mean, they've done the gaming. They've done so many other things now. And the cloud, I mean, you know, think about this. Traditionally, it was just your operating system on your PC. They've reinvented. They've done so many other things. And that's what you've got to continue to do to stay relevant. And Microsoft has done that. That's why the stock continues to perform. And you know what else they're going to do? And, uh, um, or they already are doing. So I'm not on it very often, but when someone, you know, uh, you know, reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I say, you know, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out, blah, blah, blah. I hope you enjoy the show or whatever. Um, and I went to do it yesterday and they told me I was out of emails, that I had to sign up for, for premium. Gmail, uh, Gmail's doing this too. I, I think they're they're uh, they're making people pay for email storage now. They never did that before. Really? They never did that before. But I think I think now they're starting to. So and huh. and and we have no choice. We, we need it. So. But you know, I, w- we, I wish we, I could just delete everything. We as people need our email storage. So. Yeah, but you got so much unnecessary email. I mean, delete, delete, delete. That's what I try and do. But uh, anyways, uh, just trying to make some use of the LinkedIn deal. 140 sticking out to me in this one. Sure. 140, uh, October 18th high. 140.01, your 22nd high. Uh, didn't quite get there yet um, in the after hours or the pre-market. So... 
Let's see. There's someone has a piece. There's probably a ton of open calls there too for the week. Oh yeah. I mean, you got to think about that too. I mean, I don't didn't go and look at it, but I'm sure the open interest on the Microsoft 140 is probably fairly high. It's a big strike. People gambling. So a lot of times, what you see happen is that it'll struggle to get through there until those options go off the board. And then on the Monday, those the weekly options are gone, so they're not worth any. There's no resistance from those options, and then the stock can actually break out after that. You know, it's something we've talked about on the show before, but not in a long time. But the options, you know, the open interest really can affect where the stock is going, because you have you know market makers, you have people that are in that thing, and saying, you know, look, I'm going to sell the stock against those open calls here if it gets up to here and scratch it, or you know, potentially make money, or they're working it out there, and that's why you know you see these open interests when they're really high, they can actually pin at those prices. It's nothing, you know, that's you know market makers are being evil or anything like that. Like people say, it's the natural mechanics of how it works. You know, because I trade options for a long time back in the day, and I used to make the markets in the same way. If I was long the 140 call um, on it, you know, you know, you can sell the stock freely above 140 and lock in profit because you can just execute your call. So as you know, the stock goes above 140, and we're talking on the day of expiration. This is why the things pen goes up to 140.10, 140.20, 140.30. The market maker or the person who's holding the call becomes a natural seller of the stock against the call. Um, and, you know, stock comes back down below 140, then they could just buy in the stock. They don't have to do, yep. do anything. So that's the mechanics behind it. And I mean, you know, maybe your retail guy isn't doing that with their options because they maybe don't have the money to actually be trading the stock. But, you know, all the professionals are doing it like that. And a lot of that action is professional, you know, institutional action. We uh, about the that. largest open interest is in the, uh, in the uh, 140 calls, uh, nearly 24,000. There you go. Uh, went off the board yesterday, 144, 145. So you're a loser if you bought those. You need uh, you need 141 and a half today. So there you go. There's your open interest. Your largest open interest by far uh, is in the one. So maybe after, I think it struggles to go through the 140 today or tomorrow, but maybe after Monday when it gets open, maybe it can. But, you know, we don't know. I mean, the thing could pull back here too. But I just feel like there's so much underneath demand. We talk about overhead supplies is underneath demand from Microsoft. I think Microsoft eventually is making the all-time highs. Obviously, as long as the market holds up. Let's let uh, the chat dictate uh, the earnings that we just yeah, sure. the show. Before we do that, can we just address Winnebago for Dick two seconds here? Because this move yesterday was unreal. Up, what, 15% off a, an inline, I mean, their sales beat, but their EPS was in line. It wasn't. There's just crazy beat. moves. There's just crazy moves on certain stocks. I actually was long that into the report. Um, I got stuck with just a small position, but I took it through the report. I sold the open, which was obviously a mistake. I thought the quarter wasn't that great. Um, ended up opening up, I think, about a buck or a buck and a half it opened up, but then it just kept running. So if you look yesterday, the candle, I think this is open at 43.32, but I don't believe it opened. Yeah. I think it, I think yeah, it opened I higher than that. Someone threw a, you know, and I print out somewhere else. I, I don't think it opened. I think it opened over 45 because I sold, I'm pretty sure I sold the opening print. I thought I sold it over $45. But anyways, um, stock just ran. I mean, this is this kind of market. And Winnebago is a, is a, is a thin stock. So if one or two tr major institutional traders, even if one institutional trader has a major opinion, they can really push the price. Um, you know, it's not like Microsoft, it's not like Snap, you know, where it takes huge amounts of money to move this. I mean, a little bit of money will move this a lot. So if there's one institutional trader that wants to get in, you can see this happen. So especially on an earnings report because liquidity is going to be a hell of a lot less. 
huge move. I mean, uh, does it does it justify? I mean, I I can't even understand half of these moves from a fundamental basis. I mean, what's to understand about Chipotle yesterday? Chipotle's quarter was pretty good. You know what? They sold the hell out of it all day. That was a pretty darn good quarter. Caterpillar was a disaster. Well, they bought it. They bought it right back. I mean, yeah, sometimes the, the the headline numbers are meaningless, and I don't understand. You know, sentiment maybe it is towards it, but sometimes it's just random. And in Winnebago's case, you know, maybe the numbers weren't that great, but they bought it anyways. Hard to, you know, put a fundamental, you know, reason behind everything. That kind of price action. I agree. Yep. I agree. Uh, Spoo's backed off a little bit, still up four and a quarter at uh, 3,010, that pre-market high of 30.13, just below Monday's high at 14 and a quarter. So uh, nice move up off the close, uh, but um, – Still, uh, still some consolidation. Yes, uh, BZ Tokyo. I am still long Twitter. I'm lamenting it here. I, I don't know. Maybe get back up to forty bucks someday. I might try and get rid of it. But uh, yeah, just a bad it's hard. Point. Investing is hard, and this is you know where I've been torn to. And I was saying this to you on the pre-market show. I mean, like I've said, I feel like I'm an excellent day trader. I mean, I made all of my money. You know, and all of my net worth has come from day trading. I've been profitable every single year in my day trading account. Um, you know, I feel like I do pretty good at swing trading too. I don't do it that often because I'm so busy day trading, but I feel like when I do the swings, I do pretty good. The long-term investing, the jury is still out on me because I got so many stocks, you know, a hundred in there and you can't watch them all. And sometimes I, you know, I had one stock that got taken over. I didn't even notice it for two weeks. It was a smaller company, you know, that's how many stocks I have. So, and, and the problem is when you have like a hundred stocks, you know, this is a full-time job for some people you know, like managing, you know, a long-term portfolio with a hundred positions in it. I don't have the time because I'm day trading. So I don't even have the time. I don't even look at my investment portfolio sometimes for weeks. So, you know, I know kind of my big positions that I have and they're like the apples and the Googles and, you know, um, but, you know, and obviously we know the, I had the iRobot. So I was disappointed with that one yesterday, but I mean, it's tough. It's tough to do all those things. So, so I think, you know, and I have a lot of, you know, indexes, you know, I buy ETFs and I have a lot of ETFs in there too. I think I'm going to start in the long term, just focusing more on the long term ETFs, because there's so you've got to give it more time. And I simply, you know, between the radio show, between a two year old and a four year old, and a full time day trading job, right now I just don't have the time to really focus on, you know, fully managing my long term investment portfolio. So lately, I've been just buying some ETFs. You know, I bought a lot of, you know, emerging market ETFs. I bought, you know, recently bought more SPY, like I said. And as I've been making money in my day trading account, it's always like, okay, what do you do with the money you're making in your day trading account? Um, you know, I put it into my long-term investment portfolio. And, you know, that's what I think I'm going to do going forward is a lot of focus on ETFs. Still going to do some stocks. Like I like Facebook. So I'm going to do some stocks. But I think I need to do a lot of ETFs as well just because from my own time perspective, I just don't have the time to sit there and, and, and manage 100 long-term investments. Have you ever seen the S&P Dividend Aristocrats uh, uh, ETF? It's uh, stocks, I think, that have like raised their dividend every year. That's something you should look at. A little, I know it's boring, but... The boring is good, though. And this is my long-term portfolio, too. Mine is, if you looked at mine, you'd say it's very boring. I have a lot of preferred stocks. I've talked about this trade 5 6%. Well, I don't have to worry about those. You know, so you know, I'll probably have 20 preferred stocks in there that are giving me the 6 you know, somewhere, like the DDT for a long time, giving me 7%. I mean... Not just nice, you're getting paid. And, you know, these are fairly safe. We're not in a, you know, financial crisis here. So, you know, they're fairly safe. We go to the financial crisis, got to analyze those because they did get smacked back in 2008, 2009. But, I mean, there, it, it takes a lot of work, you know, managing a long-term portfolio. And some people who are listening to this show are just managing their long-term portfolio. And that's great, you know, and you can do that. 
but you know a lot of our listeners too are day trading you know and that's you know where a lot of our trades and a lot of our discussion focuses to the shorter term trader you know to or the swing trading you know where we like to set up you know we set up a trade and we're going to stop out here um it's investing is just such a different animal and you know and what the struggle is too joel and you can look at this too is you know you look at the long-term indexes here and you know, S&P's gone nowhere in two years. So if you're expecting to make money in your long-term portfolio in the last two years, not managing it, you know, not moving in and out all the time, Active, yeah. you're not going to make anything. I mean, the market's gone nowhere in two years. And we got 100 stocks, you pretty much are the market. So, you know, and obviously, you know, and I was looking at that EEM. Like, check out the long-term chart of the EEM. I've talked about this before, but check it out. Bring up a 10-year chart of EEM. It's unbelievable. It's gone nowhere in 10 years. You think about this huge bull run that we've had in the SPY, emerging markets have gone nowhere for a decade. EEM has gone nowhere for 10 years. In 2010, EEM was 45. It is 2019, EEM is 42. I mean, yes, you got a little 2% dividend along the way, but is that, do you not find that incredible? That, you know, and it's not just EEM. I mean, we've, we've talked about this with other, you know, world indexes too. I mean, you can look at FXI, which obviously is China, which is a lot of EEM. It's gone nowhere. You can look at the XIU, or you can look at the Canadian indexes. Um, I don't even have the symbol, but um, you know, if you look at the XIU over the last 10 years, I mean, it's up like 10% or 15%, the Canadian index. It hasn't gone anywhere either. The U.S. has been the only place to be in the last 10 years to really make money. I mean, I guess there's some other countries too, but a lot of countries haven't done well at all in the last decade. Right now, let's uh, let's do some more earnings. Yeah, uh, from from the chat here, Nokia the headline Ooh. here is they lowered their uh, full year nineteen and full year twenty guidance. Well, I have this in long term portfolio. Another argument for not investing long term. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> again, smack. You know, I don't even notice this stuff. You know, and and you know, and now it's down eighteen. I did notice it this morning. I brought it in because I knew it was going to report. I mean, this is just terrible, terrible quarter. Um, I wish I had more time to give it to analyze whether I should be selling this out or not. But I'll tell you why I bought Nokia. I bought this last year at $6. It was a terrible buy. Uh, Jim Cramer promoted it on Mad Money and is saying it's a huge 5G play. So, you know, Jim does some, uh, gets some things right, some things wrong. Um, I liked the setup back then. This was in early 2019. It looked like it wanted to break out. I think it actually did kind of go up a little bit after that. But then just started, had a bad quarter, and now it's had another bad, and then it had an okay quarter, and then had another bad quarter. So now you're, you know, you're looking at a position, and you're down 30%, and you're like, how the hell did that happen? You know, how it happened is you're not managing your investment portfolio enough, maybe, or, you know, you're going to get losers, too. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's frustrating as an investor to, you know, look at your stocks. And I guess when you got 100 stocks, you're always going to have one going down, and maybe I'm too much glass half empty that I always focus on those ones. But, uh, you know, it's a terrible investment. Speaking of that uh, call by Jim, and I shouldn't have uh, followed it. Speaking of 5G here, Xilinx is in that same boat. They had a good quarter, uh, but their sales uh, guidance for the for the quarter and for the year was white. They also had reported a one billion dollar buyback, but white guidance on Xilinx, same story. You know what Spinner just said? He said, "I thought I sold my Nokia." I was like, "I have a hundred stocks. Maybe I did." <laughs> Is that not ridiculous that, you know, I, I don't, I think I still have it. I'm going to check right now. And this is, this goes to show you that I am simply not managing my invest portfolio enough. If I don't own Nokia, I'm going to look right now. So go, I'm going to look at my invest portfolio right now. I haven't logged in. Maybe, you, maybe you should let Spinner manage it. You should let someone else manage it. No, but, but listen, do you, do you understand I, what I'm I saying? Know, You're a full-time trader. You got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. 
and you know you're managing all the stuff I, I just don't give the time to my long-term portfolio i just hope it works out i put try to put good companies in there and i hope it works out and, th- and my best investments have honestly been the ones i haven't sold but you know maybe i did sell nokia you know what no i still have it i still have nokia so it's ugly sorry i wish i would have sold it but i talked about selling it i never did so anyways horrible investment well, this one from the chat here, AAL, American Airlines, reporting uh, this morning, EPS beat sales, missed Q4 EPS guidance was uh, in line. Boy, oh boy, these airlines have been beat up, huh? Which uh, one are you looking at? Uh, American, AAL. American. 30 yeah, oh yeah, they've been hit. What so happened? a little bit of comeback here, you know, maybe buying laggards. All of them are up. So we had save, we can do them all together. SAVE reported last night, it's trading up two bucks. AAL reported this morning, trading up buck thirty-one. LUV also reported this morning, trading up a buck. So you've got nice lift in the airlines here, no pun intended. I don't know. What are your thoughts? A thirty bucks here for the AAL. Uh, you had a nice run up in September. Thirty bucks put the end of it. You gapped down, and now you came down, matched the low for the move. Now you're just kind of getting a re- reset here. Gap to fill at twenty-nine eighty-seven. The high on that day was thirty thirty-four. You also peaked out over at 3057 uh, on August 1st. So I'd like to see the same for, you know, I mean, it's, it's coming off a low, little, a little bottom here. I'd like to see it get over 30 and take out 30 and uh, a little bit more room to the upside here. But uh, if it comes down, well, it's up a buck 45. If it comes down anywhere near $28 over the next couple of days, I think that that'd be a pretty good buy. Parity lows, 2782 and 2788. What else you got? Uh, looking at one reporting later today, or I guess you could say the big one, Amazon. After the close today. It's- yeah, this is, this is going to be huge. I mean, here's a stock that has been in the doghouse for a while. And we haven't talked to Amazon really, but I mean, look at it. And it's been drifting down. It's been kind of in the doghouse. I mean, could this one be one that they report something okay? Could it rip again? Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, in the middle here. Uh, it's a tough call. What are your thoughts here going into this one? Uh, 1800. I'm just looking at this one here. You did sneak over 1800 a few days ago. Uh, did you? No, you didn't. I thought I saw this trading in 1800 when, uh, Spinner was talking Almost about Almost yeah. Maybe in maybe pre-market it was. Yeah. Um, that eighteen hundred looks really you know, I mean it's only you know thirty-two bucks away here, but I think you get uh you get over eighteen hundred here and that's when the fun gets started. Uh, let's go look at the expected move. Uh come seven three point nine five percent. I already looked. Three point nine five percent. So what's that equate to in uh points? Looks like thirty. Oh my goodness, this expected move is seventy points. Does that not seem high? Seven zero? I guess Amazon moves, but does that not seem high to you? 70 points? 35 and 35, like the 1763. I'm just looking at 1763 weekly strike or weekly, uh, yeah, the October. 35, 15, or 34, 487, and 35, 45. 70 bucks expected move. Man, that's big premium to pay, Joel. 70 points. You pay 70 points for that? Yeah, you would need. <laughs> You need 70, 70 points to break even if you buy a straddle. 1700 or, or 1840. Uh, Holy mackerel. Why'd you sell that one? I know. You know what? You know why I don't sell a straddle? Because I sold that straddle that one time on Apple and <laughs> I got murdered. 
Murdered. I sold Apple. It was like $500. I sold it for 25 bucks a straddle. I was like, it's not going to move 25 bucks. And then they came and they did so much. They like announced a buyback. They announced, you know, the share split the seven for one. They just kept, it was halted. And they just kept announcing good and more good news. And I was like, I am going to get murdered. And then it came out of the halt and was up a hundred. And I was like, that was a really bad straddle. <laughs> I sold it for 25 points and I'm down a hundred points on it. So anyways, I've been spooked on writing straddles ever since, but you know, 70 points in Amazon. If I was buying or selling straddles, I would tell you, I would sell that straddle all day. That was a big move for Amazon. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, we got through maybe 15 earnings reports. I don't even, I don't even know if we got okay. through that many, but we tried. Uh, if you missed any part of our show or you want to listen to it again, you can watch it on YouTube or catch our podcast on SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Google, pretty much wherever podcasts are available. I want to remind you folks about the Weeble WeTrader paper trading competition if you want to uh, play earnings season without risking any real money but have the chance to win real money. Uh, you can download the Weeble app. They're giving away up to $11,000 of Amazon gift cards every week. And the grand prize, a Tesla Model 3 or $40,000 towards your student loans. Download the Weeble app. To learn more, I want to thank our guests today, Paul and Monica. Thanks to all of you in our chat rooms, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice, guys. Any final thoughts today, either of you? Uh, uh, I'll just do a quick balance look. Twitter, 183,000 to sell. We know it's going to open down some 32 handle now. G sell and balance every day. 159,000 shares forward, 495,000 to sell. I know we didn't do it. Ford reported too. Poor Ford didn't even get any love. We're in the Motor City. We didn't do Ford earnings. What's going on? All right. Well, drop the ball big time. Real quick here, EPS beat, sales missed. Uh, EPS guidance was okay, but I don't think it matters. It, they don't like it regardless. So, all right. That's it for us. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Friday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.